Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. It is Monday morning, and that means we bring on the one and only and legendary investor, Mr. Greg Dickerson. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. Good to be here. Awesome, man. Thank you for struggling through the internet today. Uh, I am paying for Comcast to come in and AT&T to go out today at one o'clock. should be, I'm, I'm fingers crossed uh, that spending 200 bucks a month on high-speed internet will actually pay off, but we shall see. Uh, in our last interview, though, Greg, I want to talk about an article I read on CNBC talking about eight things that the affluent or successful do, and really talk about why I see a lot of these traits in you, given our last year and a half of speaking together. You ready to go? Yeah, I bet number one is whatever they want, right? <laughs> exactly. No, nope, number one, at least the first one we're going to talk about here is, uh, you know, successful people manage their network, right? The people that they choose to associate and spend time with. Uh, and I see this uh, in all of the successful people I, I'm around. They they remove people that I call battery drainers, negativity, people that they have to, you know, even if they're family members, right? They cut them, they don't cut them out entirely, but they reduce the amount of time they spend with them. And they're always spending it with people that make them think bigger, that that are positive, that cause them to really challenge themselves. That's something I've seen in you. I know you help others, uh, but why don't you talk about why that's so important? Yeah, I mean, you are who you hang around and, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? So, <clears throat> I mean, it's really as simple as that. You're only going to rise to the levels of those around you. So, <clears throat> you know, you want to surround yourself with people that are number one, better than you, smarter than you, more sophisticated than you, doing bigger things than you, so that you can learn from them and they can help bring you up. And then in turn, you know, you want to insert yourself in some of those environments in a productive, constructive way so you can help bring up, you know, others as well. But at the end of the day, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And if you know more about finance than anybody else around, then you need to find some more friends. Uh, couldn't agree more. The next one I see, uh, again, I see in you as well, uh, is they see fear as an opportunity. Right. That is something I certainly saw in 2010. Right. When when and that's why I follow the consumer. Right. If you can follow the consumer and figure out when they're afraid or greedy, uh, if it's that simple, you really can make a, a wonderful living and, and do some great investments. So, yeah, using fear as an opportunity, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's there's some, you know, caveats to that as well. But at the end of the day, the economy, the world goes around the supply and demand. It's buyers and sellers. So you want to be selling whenever selling. And, you know, we've all heard, you know, the Warren Buffett adage of, you know, be fearful when everybody's greedy, be greedy when everybody's fearful, you know, that can work against you. So you have to be very careful what that means and how you apply that context. And then of course, the greatest of all time, you know, buy when there's blood in the streets, right? So yeah. um, I've made my best moves in the markets when they were at rock bottom, when everybody else was the world's coming to an end. And that's what I'm like, that's it. I'm going in right. now. It was at a point in my life where I could take that kind of risk and, uh, you know, those types of things. But at the end of the day, the simplest thing is when everybody else is buying, that's when you want to sell. When everybody else is selling, that's when you want to buy. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I still go to real estate meetups. I say yes to those because I'm trying to figure out what the audience is, is excited about. Because right? I've seen the herd. Uh, I've seen the herd get bigger and bigger and bigger and just run off a cliff. I'm like, I'm going to go the other way. Yeah, so that's, that's well, the great. biggest thing you have now more than ever before. afraid they're going to miss out, especially when you have big exponential assets like cryptocurrency, stock market, where you have the meme stocks, 
nobody wants to be left behind when there's 100x on a stock, right? So everybody wants to wants to ape in and FOMO in. And, you know, the other caveat to that whole, you know, fearful, greedy uh, buyer seller equation is you have to be willing to do nothing at all and completely miss out on a massive run. So, you know, I didn't participate in any of those meme stock things, you know, anything like that. I watched them and it was fun, but you know, those aren't things that I have to do that I need to do. So there's times when, you know, you want to kick back and not participate in some of those things, but Hey, I missed out on, you know, a potential huge opportunity there, but um, you know, it doesn't apply in every situation every time. Yeah. The next one I want to talk about is you take responsibility for yourself, right? You're not blaming others for your wins or your losses. Uh, you know that you must take care of yourself. And I think of back to your original story where you, uh, where you left your day job, right? You were, you were working in the restaurants, if I recall correctly, like, nope, I'm going to go do this. You took 100% responsibility uh, for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And then in an organi- organizational environment, any of the companies that I've owned or, or had over the years, um, the wins and losses, the wins were always them, the mistakes, the losses were always me and I. So I always took responsibility for the downside and then I put um, the satisfaction of the wins on the team. Uh, So it was all about them, you know, and, um, uh, you know, celebrate your successes. It's all them, it's all the team, it's all we. And that's the other thing. I always talk in terms of we in my organizations. I always said, yeah, we do this, we do that. People are like, well, who's we? I'm like, that's the employees of the organization. They're like, well, do you have partners? And I never had any partners. in my main companies, I would partner with people in some of the other companies that I spun off that I didn't run. But I always talk in terms of we, not I, mm-hmm. unless there was a mistake or some downside. And then that's when I would take responsibility. Well, you know, that one's on me. That's and awesome. whenever something went wrong in, in, in organizations or in my organizations, it was never who did it or, you know, it was more like what happened. I don't care who did it. I just want to know what happened so we can fix it and not have it happen again. That's awesome. That actually feeds right into the next one is you embrace failure, right? You try to learn from it so you can, you know, not repeat it, right? That's something I've always believed is failure is part of the process, but it's repeating failures that are really expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you want to learn from your mistakes and hopefully not repeat them. And, you know, when you say embrace failure, I wasn't looking for it. You know, I was <laughs> like, I want to fail. Let me fail. It was like, you know, I wanted to avoid it, but, you know, obviously you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. And it's just part of the, it's just part of the natural process you know, you can't know everything, no matter how smart your team is. Um, you're going to, you're going to have your, your issues. You're going to have your losses. You just want to have more wins and losses. You want to have more success than failures. But yeah, the biggest lessons that I've ever learned have been from the ones that didn't work out the way that I intended when I set out, but they always work out better than I thought, no matter what. Yeah, that's awesome. And then the last one to talk about is value education. Now, this doesn't mean a lot of people hear value education, you think going to college or master's degree, any of that stuff. No, it's, it's choosing what you want to learn, investing in your time, seeking mentors, you know, YouTube, university, whatever it is, you can learn lots of different ways, trades. But again, you value education because you simply don't know it all. Exactly. All we know is what we know. We don't know what we don't know. And the biggest thing and the biggest mistake people make is thinking they know something when they don't. Mm. You know, that's the most dangerous thing. So I always advise everybody, if you are, if you have that bent, if you have that capacity and that ability and opportunity, go to college and more importantly, get your graduate degree, get your master's degree, if you can and you have the time, because that network is huge and it's valuable, especially in business, especially in finance. Um, and, you know, and that's where it begins. 
So where a lot of people make a mistake too, is they'll get that education, they'll get advanced degrees, and then they just stop learning. They stop educating themselves. They stop pouring into themselves. You want to be a lifelong learner. You know, the thing about learning and mental capacity is you will never, ever reach a plateau. You can always go deeper. You can always learn more and you can always, you know, grow from an intellectual standpoint in your knowledge of everything. And that's what's really cool um, in terms of being a lifelong student. You know, you want to be a seeker of wisdom in every circumstance and every opportunity. And you want to never stop learning. Always develop yourself personally and professionally and uh, get all the education you can. But I never tell anybody, don't go to school. Now you can become very successful and extremely wealthy without going to college, absolutely. But that's a great start and it's a great foundation. And if you have the ability and opportunity, take advantage of it and then don't quit You know, beyond college, be a lifelong learner. Yeah, that's a big thing. I've seen a lot of successful people I've, I've been bumping around with the last decade or so is, is they never stop learning. They always know, They're, it's almost like, it's a habit, right? They're, they're always trying to learn new things. And sometimes the new things could just be totally not related to business. Like I, I bumped into a, somebody who was worth, you know, 10 million bucks plus, And they're like, I've never been able to play an instrument. I'm, I'm going to challenge myself and try to play an instrument. Right. And, and again, trying to do that. I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to pick up an instrument today. It would, my brain would explode probably, but yeah, it's always trying to learn new things and pushing yourself just to, right. You're either growing or not. And uh, the, the most successful people I know keep investing in themselves. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, there, there's no better investment you can make than an investment in knowledge. It pays the highest dividends. Absolutely. Well, do me a favor, Greg. How can people be a part of your world? GregDickerson.com. So all my info is there, YouTube, podcast. Um, I put out uh, content every day on entrepreneurship, real estate investing and development, uh, economy, finance, cryptocurrencies, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Follow him on YouTube. His channel is blowing up. He covers lots of things that I do not touch because he has lots of experience that I do not have. So thank you very much, Greg. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, it was great seeing you. Thanks, buddy.